Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Look at the female fight world. This is episode number 79 and the first of 2020 and the new decade which we find ourselves. My name is Felipe Leon and with me, as always, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. Welcome back. Thank you, David. And with us from the uh, Bay Area of California, Lupi Gutierrez. How are you doing, Lupi? I'm doing good. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody here and everybody listening. And we have a great show today. Like always, we do have a special guest in the current interim WBA flyweight and WBC silver light flyweight champion, Seniesa Superbad Estrada from East LA, who is going to talk to us about her most recent win over her arch nemesis, Marlene Esparza back in November, and also she's going to give us what her plans are for this upcoming year of 2020. Um, we're also going to have uh, talk, we're going to talk about the best of 2019, and we're going to give you what is coming up in the next couple weeks in fights, but we are going to go back a little bit in time to last year and give you the fight results fairly quickly here before Miss Estrada calls in from East L.A., the hometown of none other than Mr. David Avila. Um, but let's go quickly and just give you some fight results. Saturday, December 14th in Argentina, Daniela Bermudez scored a unanimous decision over Marianela Soledad Ramirez to defend her WBO Bantamweight title. Scores there were 98-92 two times in 97-93. And in Mexico, in Cancun, Guadalupe Martinez scored a unanimous decision over Daniela Soledad in an 10-rounder to defend her WBC super flyweight title 100 to 93 times. And in Pennsylvania, Alicia Baumgartner scored a first-round knockout over Cristina Pacheco in an eight-rounder at 135 pounds. The time where it was 146 of the first round. On Sunday, December 15th, in Mexico City, Selena Munoz, former uh, super flyweight champion, now campaigning at 118 pounds, scored a unanimous decision over veteran Freddy Gonzalez and an eight-rounder. Scores there were 80-72 two times in 79-73. While in McBride, I, I'm sorry, while in Gary, Indiana, Summer Lynn of Chicago scored a second-round TKO over Nina Gallegos in a six-rounder at 147 pounds. Uh, Lina Gallegos, what's a late sub? She had a, uh, another opponent announced previously the time where it was 116. And if you don't know, Summer Lynn is from that uh, up in, not up-and-coming, but pretty impressive camp out of Chicago with Rick Ramos and obviously Jessica McCaskill on Saturday, December 21st in Germany, Tina Ruprecht scored a unanimous decision over Catalina Diaz to defend her WBC strawweight title. And in the Philippines, Casey Morton scored a fifth round TKO over Sawaluk Naripangzri and an eight rounder at super flyweight on Saturday, December 28th. 
a friend of the show, Mia Ellis, scored a first-round TKO over Miazia Oglesby in a four-rounder at 140 pounds. Mia Ellis it was her pro debut. That was in 52 seconds of the first. And on Tuesday, December 31st, on the now-traditional New Year's Eve show in Tokyo, Japan, Miyo Yoshida scored a unanimous decision over Li Ping Shi uh, for the WBO 115-pound title. Scores there were 99-90. 98-91, and 97-92. And that is the whole calendar of the last three weeks in female boxing. Any thoughts or any um, comments that you guys want to make about any of the fights that I mentioned? Uh, yeah. Um, um, go ahead, David. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lupi. I was just going to say I agree with you on um, I, Rick Ramos's camp is very impressive. The girls he has coming out of there. That's all. Yeah, it's something when you when five years ago there was very few gyms that had more than one female fighter, and now you have multiple gyms uh, with multiple female fighters coming out, and they're all pretty good. They're not just kind of good; they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago mm-hmm. is doing one heck of a job. Yeah, couple yeah. couple of notes. Um, well, I, Guadalupe Martinez, I actually ended up reporting on that fight. And, you know, she started to kind of impress me. Um, she started to become one of the better uh, current Mexican champions out there. There's actually six full-fledged champions out there um, for Mexico. Um, and she's one of them. And slowly but surely, she is becoming one of the best, even after not that great of a of a start of her career. I mean, Devani Valderas wasn't really much of competition, but with that win, now it's almost a done deal that she's going to have a rematch with Jessica Kika Chavez, who she defeated, I think, about a fight ago. So that is one thing that is coming out of there. Selena Munoz, who was a former WBC uh, super flyweight champion, she's not getting a lot of attention. She's fighting on Sundays. It, I think this has been like the third or fourth Sunday in a row, well, not in a row, but her fights have been held on Sundays for some reason. But she's starting to build up, and she's mm. starting to make a campaign at Bantamweight. Um, so the one fight that we had talked about and we had wanted and wished for for a while at Super Flyweight was between her and Mariana Juarez. That fight never happened. Uh, there was some bad blood there. It tends to happen with Mariana Juarez. Mariana Juarez tends to have bad blood with anybody that they rumor her uh, facing. <laughs> um, and there was a little bit of bad blood between her and Selena Munoz. And now Selena Munoz is campaigning at 118. So um, maybe we get to see that at 118 pounds. Um, Casey Morton wins in the Philippines. I think that she is making some kind of a like a pattern where she gets some wins in the Philippines and then she goes then to, to Japan or something and, and, and it challenges for a world title and it just doesn't happen. So uh, those are the fights from uh, the last couple of weeks. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a special guest calling in, which is Siniesta Estrada, the current interim WBA flyweight and WBC silver light flyweight champion from East LA. And if you want to call in and talk about boxing, female boxing, and more specifically, you can do so at 323-580-5735. Before we, we get uh, Siniesta's call, I wanted, I, this is, I didn't um, add this to the script that I sent you guys, but I actually got this list today, and I wanted to go over it with you guys fairly quickly here. 
the interviews that we got to do in 2019, the last 12 months, last year, these are the interviews that we uh, we had here, the people that we had them join on our show um, in 2019. I, in case you guys don't know, uh, David and I started this show back in 2016 with uh, former fighter Elena Reed from uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. It, she's originally from Las Vegas, David, and then she moved to Phoenix? No, it's actually, she's from Phoenix and then went to Las Vegas okay, and then returned back. And back to Phoenix. Okay. Uh, but because of her job and other commitments, she wasn't able to continue. So we've had other special guests here. But now we have our very, very special co-host, Lupi Gutierrez, who I hope can be with us for a long, long time. Um, <laughs> so in 2019, I'm going to go over the uh, the interviews, okay? Our first interview, which was on January 24th, was, was with promoter Rod Cruz Hunt from Los Angeles. And he came on and spoke about uh, putting together some fights here in Tijuana, Mexico, including, um, I forgot her name, uh, the, 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 the Kazakh fighter, David? Aida Sari Baldinova. Yes, and a couple of others. And that hasn't happened recently. What happened to her? Uh, she's getting ready for a fight. She just recently called me. Um, they just did like a short documentary on her, on her story and her journey over here in the United States. She's still here. Uh, her last fight, I think she lost in uh, Tijuana, but mm. uh, she's still hopeful to to get another shot and hopefully a world title fight. But she hasn't fought in a in a while, huh? Uh, a little while, a couple of at least three months. Hmm. Let me check real quick. And then our second interview was on November, on, Fe- on February 7th, and that was with um, uh, Areli Muncino, who at that time was the WBO uh, flyweight champion. She was about to fight. Um, uh, she actually came on the show to talk about that, that fight that she was scheduled to have against uh, Nicola Adams. But then Nicola Adams ended up... Uh, um, Suffering a a a a, a, a uh, she suffered I think a shoulder injury and she was not able to do that fight. I think it was going to be in the end of March. And then uh, subsequently, Mucinio got her in a car accident. She broke her ankle. Then she was stripped of the title. Um, Nicola Adams ended up fighting for the full fledged, and then she ended up retiring this year in 2019. So Arely Mucinio was with us back in. February 7th. Now, on March the 7th, a month later, we had none other than our guest tonight, Sinesa Estrada. So, Sinesa Estrada was our guest back on March 7th, and she should be calling in um, any minute now. Sinesa uh, Estrada from East LA, the interim WBA flyweight and WBC silver champion, light flyweight champion. And then, on uh, March 29th, we had Lightweight prospect Alicia Baumgartner, who we mentioned in the fight results, who had a, a recent win, a first-round knockout against Cristina Pacheco. That was our um, guest on March 29th. And then on uh, April 11th, we had none other than police officer by day, pro fighter, and IBF intercontinental champion, Tiana Brown. So we had her back on April. And then... On April 18th, we had 
I think it was our first time that we had three guests at not at the same time because we did we did set that record later in the year, but we had three different guests uh, at different times. But the first time that we ever had three interviews uh, on the show, and that was with Mariana Juarez, Adela Ruiz, La Cobra Ruiz from LA, and Leila MacArthur. And the reason that we had them on the show was because it was um, our show right after the Clarissa Shields, Christina Hammer fight. And we ended up discussing the fight with them on that show on April 18th. And then on May 9th, we had Raquel Miller, who now holds, um, I think she's the interim WBA uh, super welterweight champion. So how many champions have we had this year? We had Aleri Monsigno, who at that time was a champion. We had Sinise Estrada. We had uh, Tiana Brown is not a world champion, not yet. We, ha- we had Mariana Juarez, uh, and we had uh, Raquel Miller. So that's one, two, three, four champions so far all the way into May. Correct? And then on May 23rd, we had Jessica McCaskill, another world champion, on the show talking about her fights and her career. And then on June 5th, we had Sinise Estrada again. So we had Sinise Estrada again on the show, and she's going to be with us hopefully fairly soon here. And that's another world champion, but we can't count her because we already had her on the show. And then on June 27th, we had Franchon Cruz de Zern, who is another world champion right now. Actually, uh, WBC and WBO uh, super middleweight champion. And then after that, on July 25th, we had Ronica Jeffrey. And then we broke the record, our own record, by having three, three interviews at the same time, which was Blanca Gutierrez, Karina Moreno, and Marta Salazar. And the reason we had them all at the same time is because they were being inducted into the WBA, WBAN Female uh, Hall of Fame, whereas, as well, Mr. David Avila was also inducted into that prestigious hall. That was on August 21st. And then on September 12th, we had my favorite interview of the year, quite honestly, Mark Taffet, which I thought it was great. And then we had September 26th, we had Mariana Juarez. And then on July 31st, we had Marlene Esparza. And then our last interview of last year was uh, with the newly crowned IBF super lightweight champion, Miss Mary McGee, which was our last show and our last interview of 2019. And fairly quickly here, we are going to have our first interview of 2020 with none other than the current interim WBA flyweight and WBA, I'm sorry, WBC silver light flyweight champion, Miss Inesa Superbad Estrada. Before we move on to that interview, any thoughts, any comments about the interviews that we had last year in 2019? I'm surprised that we didn't have more. <laughs> yeah, there were some there were some shows there that, that we ended up not having an, an, inter, an interview because we usually try to have an interview every show, but it was a uh, 16 of them, not including, you know, the, the, I mean, just 16 shows where we had interviews. If you want to count each one, then it will be 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 with the, the three that we had on those particular shows. But it was a, a good run. And we had, you know, in the past, we had big names. We had uh, Eric Gomez. We'd have uh, Lou DeBella. We've had um, Leila MacArthur. We've had Christy Martin. Uh, we've had pretty much... Anybody and everybody, Cecilia Breakhouse, 
pretty much anybody and everybody that is a uh, uh, part of the female fight world, we've had them on this on this show. Mm-hmm. I think the only one we haven't had is we Katie Taylor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. We haven't had Katie. We had Amanda Serrano. We've had we had Sydney Serrano as well. Uh, you know what? I don't think so. No, we've had Heather Hardy. We've had pretty much everybody. So uh, hopefully this year in 2020 we could try to um, catch uh, Katie Taylor and have her on the show. But with us now is a fighter that was with us uh, twice last year and almost three times because we had her scheduled this one other time. But unfortunately, because of some issues that she had, um, she wasn't able to make it last minute. But with us now for our first interview of 2020 is none other than Miss Cienice Estrada. Let me patch her in. Hi, Cienice. How are you doing Hi. today? Hey, everyone. Good. How are you guys? Hey, Cienice. Good. Well, thank you, Sinisa, for being here with us on our first show of the two-minute round. Um, and with that said, I'm going to pass you on to our good friend, Mr. David Avila. Sinisa, hi. Thank you very much for calling in. Oh, no problem. Anytime. So, Sinisa, uh, you had a big fight in November against Marlene Esparza. It was in Las Vegas. It was shown uh, by the zone. Uh, what can you tell us about that experience, Uh fighting on the, on the big card? Um, well, it was a great experience. You know, like, fight week in Vegas is different than fight week anywhere else. Just, like, the whole atmosphere of it is just, it's just crazy. It's just so different. Um, so to be able to have that experience, to be fighting on such a big card in Las Vegas and on the zone um, was great. I'm just glad I was a part of you know, one of the biggest fights in women's boxing last year. And, and what uh, did you like fighting three-minute rounds? Oh, it was great. I loved it. I wish I could fight three-minute rounds every fight moving forward. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, that's not how it is for women. But, I mean, maybe, hopefully, you know, I can fight in Vegas again this year and we can um, we can make that happen with three-minute rounds. But, um yeah, I mean, I, I wish it would change in every state, and you know, I I just feel like all women should go three minutes. Oh, I know that there's a mandate by the WBC to not allow three minute rounds. Is that going to stop you from fighting three minute rounds? Um, I, I have no idea why the WBC is so against it. Like, you know, they they I like me like you and I talked about it before about you know, um. Suleiman being against it because of like health reasons and that they have to get it cleared with um, doctors and whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just totally don't agree with that. But I mean, of course I still want to fight for WBC belts, even though they're not for the three minutes. Um, And yeah, whenever I can fight three minutes, um, I'm going to try to push for it and do it. How much do you do you feel it, it led to the to your win, or if not to your win, but how much do you think it added to the excitement of the fight between you and Esparza? I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? It cut off a little bit. Do, do, do you feel that your fight uh, uh, added something extra to your fight? Uh, the three minute rounds, or 
Yeah, the three-minute rounds. Yeah, I knew that the three-minute rounds would be a huge advantage for me in the fight because um, I'm I'm just made to fight three-minute rounds, and I can fight 15 three-minute rounds um, <laughs> if it was up to me. And um, I knew that that I would have the advantage um, in the fight against Merlin fighting three-minute rounds because I know from her previous fights that she only did six to eight rounds. Um, she was already gassed out in, like, the third round. And I could see little by little as the rounds go on how she was getting fatigued and she was getting tired um, in her previous fights. So, you know, off the training camp, I heard her say, oh, you know, Sinisa uh, can't fight three minutes. She won't be able to last. And I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, go ahead and keep thinking that because she's totally wrong. And, you know, I think in her head, in her head mentally, she, she knew that three minutes would be tough for her. But so she was trying to, you know, just make it seem like, you know, I was the one who couldn't last. And, um, but yeah, it, it, it played a huge factor in the fight. Like I knew uh, right after the rewatching the fight, watching her the way she walked back to her corner already in the third round. Um, when the third round was over, she had her hands in her waist. Her legs were getting, like, wobbly, and she just, like, would fall back into her stool. And that was, like, the third round, fourth round. And then fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth is when she was really just um, just done, just gassed out. And, um, and, and yeah, it was because of the three-minute rounds. I mean, I mean, either way, with two minutes, I felt like she – it still would have been hard for her to go 10 with me. Um, but the three definitely made it way more difficult for her. I, I spoke to uh, Clarissa earlier this week, and uh, she was there at your fight. And um, she was telling me that fighting in three minutes really adds something extra. She said that uh, watching your fight, you kind of convinced her that she wants to go three-minute rounds too. Do you, do you feel that you're – that your fight kind of was a real example of why women should be allowed to fight three minute rounds. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I convinced a lot of people. I even convinced uh, Robert Diaz because, you know, he was, um, you know, I know, I know with him, he was always, he's always been iffy about women's boxing, of course, but now, you know, I've proven him wrong about so many things. And he would always, before they signed me, he would always say, Oh, you know, Sinise's, She's she's too girly. She's too small. You know these girls who are bigger than her, and these girls that look like men. Like you know they're they're gonna they're gonna hurt her, and she's not gonna last, and this and that and stuff. But like every opponent he gives me, and I just prove him wrong. Now he's like, you know what? I was totally wrong. I admit it. <laughs> he was like, uh, you know, I was totally wrong about you. And then um, I know he was kind of against like well not against, but I mean he didn't think that I would be able to put on such a good fight with three minute rounds. He thought I would, you know, get tired and, and the fight would just, you know, not be as exciting. Um, and I know I proved him wrong with that too, because he told me after he's like, you know what? Um, in the, in the ninth round, 10th round, you were getting stronger and stronger as the rounds went on and you like got a second win in like the ninth round. And he was just really surprised at that. He's like, you know what? Um, whenever you want to go three-minute rounds, like, I'll try to make it happen for you. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, you know, he changed his mind on that, too. And I know a lot of other people did because um, it was exciting all the way to the end. And, unfortunately, I wish it would have won one more round. But, um, I mean, as far as I can make all the excuses she wants about the headbutt and that she couldn't see. But <clears throat> after the ninth round, when I sat down in my stool, my trainer said, okay, 
Um, we, we all knew it. I knew it, too. He was like, in this 10th round, keep your, keep your hands by your face and just walk her down and just let your hands go because you're going to stop her in this round. And I, was, I knew it for sure. I was like, oh, yeah, 10th round, like, uh, she's done. I'm stopping her for sure because she had nothing left. And I could just – I saw it in her as the rounds went on. And, you know, she could say everything she wants about she couldn't see. I heard her say it six times in the corner. I can't see, I can't see. And, like, her whole team was ignoring her. They're like, you're fine. Um, but then that's when they had to get the ref involved. And the ref, you know, said, you know, look at me. Can you continue? And she said no. Um, but, you know, I think I think in her mind, she knew she couldn't go another round. That's the reason why she had to take an easy way out and say that she couldn't see and, you know, and that she couldn't continue. So that was unfortunate. I wish it would have been one more round. Do you has she uh to, to your knowledge has she asked for a rematch? Um, I haven't heard anything from her about the re- about a rematch. But I mean, if there were a rematch, I I would I would stop her for sure. Especially with no headbutt, she has no excuse to to find a way out. And and what was it? Uh, what did Cl- Clarissa tell you after the fight? I know that Clarissa was there. She's pretty excited about it. She. She talked to me about it. Um, what were you? Uh, what were some of the things you exchanged uh, when you, when you saw each other? Oh yeah, she was just very. She was very happy for me. She was very excited. She, you know, thought it was such a good fight and good performance. And um, you know, she was just happy. She's very supportive of me, and, and I really appreciate that because um, you know I feel like more women in boxing need to support each other and try to be there for each other and show up to each other's fights and stuff. So. Um, and I love watching Clarissa fight, so you know I was just happy that she was there just to support me. That was that was really awesome. Um, I'm gonna pass you on to Loopy. Uh, okay. There you go, hey. Loopy. Hey, Sinisa. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. You know what, Sinisa? That was a great fight. It was. You know, we were. Blanca and I were supposed to head out. It was my mom's 87th birthday, so we ended up going to L.A. And me, my mom, and all my and my sisters were all watching it. It was fantastic. Oh, um, you know, you. you know, you pretty much covered everything. Um, but I am gonna let's see. I'm gonna ask you, was Marlene your toughest fight so far? I mean, considering that you either KO'd, TKO'd, or RTD'd your last five in a foment. Would you say that Marlene was your toughest? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that one more time? Yeah, considering that, you know, your last five fights, you either knocked them out, TKO'd, you know, they retired. Would you say that Marlene was your toughest fight? Toughest to fight? Um, I feel like I've had um, – tougher fights with girls who, like, were heavier than me, like, bef- like in my previous fights before, like, signing with Golden Boy, like, my fifth row fight, sixth row fight. Like, I've had a lot of tough fights, like, with girls who are just a lot bigger than me. Um, but as far as, like, tough fights, um, toughest fights skillfully, I would say, I would say, yeah, because she has just as much experience as I do, especially, like, with our amateur background, and she's been boxing for just as lo- about as long as I have. Um, so she, you know, she put up a, a tough fight, but I knew with my the way I executed my game plan, I felt like was just um, it made it a lot easier for me than than what it could have been. Okay, 
So immediately after the fight, when they asked you, do you have respect for her now? You were hot. I mean, you were like, no. <laughs> and, and we were like, oh, my God. So if now that two months has passed and I ask you that now, do you have respect for Marlon? For stepping no. in the ring and giving. <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask. Is it the same answer? Yeah, same answer. I, I don't have any respect for her. I'll never have any respect for her. Um, but like I tell people, like, you know, it's it, it was it's different. It's different when, you know, you have somebody saying the type of stuff that she does about about you and, like, um, just knowing the type of person that she is because I've been around her for a long time and I've mm-hmm. seen – you know, the way she is with other people, the way she treats other people. And I'm not the only person who doesn't like her. Like, there's a lot of female fighters who she's had beef with and stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's, in, you know, in real life, on, like, in person or on social media. So, like, like I tell people, like, she's just, she's not my type of person and we'll never, we could just never be friends ever or ever be cool yeah. because we're just two opposite people. And, um you know, when, when I don't like somebody and I don't respect anybody, when I don't like somebody and I don't respect somebody, like, um, you, you just can't change my mind on that just because we we fought. You know, I, like I said, I still don't like her. <laughs> and if we could fight yeah, again. Yeah, you're done. And I, I, I still wouldn't like her, yeah. All right, same answer. I have one last same question. Answer. <laughs> you know, we all know your dad and all the guys on your team, but who are the women in your life? Um, as far as like, you mean in the gym, outside yeah, of the gym? The, yeah, just the women in your life. Like who would you consider, you know, like I have my sister, obviously. I mean, that, you know, but right. who are the women in yours? Um, I was, well, of course my mom, my mom's the main woman in my life and, uh, my nieces, of course, they're not women yet, but they're girls and, um, I'm very close to them and they really look up to me oh. a lot. So, um, you know, my family is very close, so I would say my nieces and my mom. And my mom is, like, a very big supporter now. I mean, when I first started boxing, she, like, was very against it. And, um, of course, she just was scared like any any mother would be that I would I was going to get hurt. And, you know, she was just afraid of, like, the path that I chose instead of, mm-hmm. you know, um, instead of choosing an education and going to college and working you know, I chose boxing, and I know that's difficult for, like, any parent to um, to see their kids struggle in, in something that they really love and they really want. So for a long time, it was hard for her, but now, you know, her watching me succeed and, and making my dreams come true, she's, like, my biggest supporter, so. That's great. I'm so happy for you, and I'm so happy for her, because she's probably relieved. And yeah. your niece is... <laughs> Your nieces are blessed to have you because they have a great role model right in front of them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I wish I um I had somebody, a female fighter, you know, to look up to when I was a little girl. And, you know, there wasn't many of them. So for them to have a female athlete to look up to, you know, in their own family is, is great. See, then you're, you think like how we think. We just want to be somebody who we wish we had, right? So you right, exactly. Women. That's great. Tanisa, it's so great talking to you. Happy New Year. You too. Thank you. Happy New Year. I'll see you soon, hopefully. I know, hopefully. Hopefully you can get up over up north. 
Yeah, for sure. Congratulations on your guys, uh, on your girl. That's uh, made the team. That's awesome. Oh, my God, Tanisha. Thank you so much. We're still in Yeah, I'm super happy for you guys. <laughs> thank you. So Thanks cool. so much. Felipe? You're welcome. Yes. Thank you, Lupi. Tanisha, <laughs> just to uh, one uh, last question about the whole uh, Esparza fight and then move on towards the future. Um, you know, that, that whole buildup to that fight, was so long, you know. You guys going back on 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 um, on Instagram on on Twitter before you guys before you were signed to Golden Boy, you guys started this beef. I mean, some say the stories go all the way back to your years in the amateurs. Um, then when you got signed and everybody talking about now we're getting closer and closer and closer. You guys are doing the build up and everything. And now that it happened and you won the fight. Do you feel like a, like a big amount of pressure off your shoulders that could go towards other things? Um, I, actually, like going into the fight, I didn't feel much pressure because I don't really think about that about you know um, how much pressure it is for me to win, especially with all like the the trash talking and stuff. Um, but now I feel like there's more pressure for me to look even better my next fight. And, you know, there's a lot of really good fighters out there that are champions at 105, 108, and 112. So um, I feel like I give myself so much pressure as far as thinking that how much I want to look even better my next fight and how I want to, um, you know, just, just keep putting on exciting fights moving forward and winning world titles. Now, you mentioned, and you mentioned it here on the show before, like, I don't know if you were listening to it right before you were on. You're actually uh, the only uh, fighter that we've had last year that we had uh, more than once. Actually, we had Mariana Juarez also uh, more than once, but she was actually part of, uh, of another set of uh, fighters that we had. And you have mentioned here before that, you are willing to go down to 105, stay at 108, and even with this fight, you went up to 112, and you look great in it, in that weight class. So have you and your team talked with Golden Boy and and kind of decided in what weight class you're going to stay at? Um, yeah, I told them that that my goal is to have, you know, multiple bouts at 105, multiple bouts at 108, and multiple bouts at 112. Um, but I would say, like, for this year, um, I would like to fight at 105 and 108 because that's, like, my, my more, more national weight class. And I do want belts at 112, um, even though the reason why I want belts at 112, even though that's not my natural weight class, is because, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's more of a challenge because the fighters are bigger and they're heavier. Um, so that's the reason why I would also like to fight and have belts at 112 too. So have you, have they set a date or around a, a time that you're going to have your next fight? Um, yes. I, it's looking like it might be March, early March. So I'm just um, getting ready, staying ready. And um, if it is in March, it's, going to be a well I won't I won't say too much but Golden Boy is working on a 
Golden Boy and Eddie Hearn are working on a uh, all-female card. So, um, yeah, that'll be, like, a very great thing to be a part of because that's definitely history right there. Yeah, I mean, that it has been mentioned on the show before. Actually, Lou DiBella was working on one with Showtime. Um, mm-hmm. They have mentioned it. They mentioned it, right, David? Uh, maybe like Franchon Cruz and I think even Katie Taylor in the, in the main event? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so then so yeah. you're getting a sense that you might be included on that fight card? Um, yeah, possibly. Possibly either um, – Wow. March or April. I'm hoping to fight in March. And then um, I want to fight in March and then May. Um, single mile weekend is what we're aiming for. So March and May. So, you know, as far as we know, your last opponent, Marlene Sparza, you know, coming off the Olympics and having the bronze medal and having the sponsors and everything. Obviously, that was a, and being the first female fighter technically that Golden Boy signed. Um, you know, she, I mean, as far as we know, it was in her contract that she would have, she was to be included in the Canelo, uh, fights or events in, in Las Vegas. Do you think that with that win over her, you were going to get those spots or that at least you deserve to get those spots? I mean, obviously I don't think it's in your contract, but do you think that now that you beat her, you have a, 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 a strong enough argument with Golden Boy to make you that priority for those fight cards? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know I will be the priority to now be on, like, the biggest fight cards, Um, you know, especially with my last fight and beating this Barza. um, I think they know when they see that I I put on exciting fights. And, um, you know, she said a lot of stuff about, you know, I was the first sign to go to Moy. I was the first to do this, the first to do that. And, uh, you know, they signed Maraselli before me. They signed Marlin before me. They signed Franchon before me. But um, now there's only me and Franchon, and, you know, I'm definitely going to be the last female standing at Golden Boy. So no matter what, Marlin Marlene was able to, you know, I let her say all she wanted. I was the first this, the first that, but none of that matters. Being the first to do, to do anything doesn't matter. It matters who does it the best and who's the last one to stand. Mm-hmm. Whether you have it, any any other thing from you, David or Lupi? No. Who do you want to fight, Vanessa? Yeah. Who would you like to fight next? Um, I would like to fight just any any of the world champions right now at either 105 or 108. So um, yeah, I'm not too specific on who. It's just I would just like to fight uh any champion at 105 and 108. Um, I would like to fight Yesenia Gomez um, at 108 for the WBC world title. Um, That would be great. So hopefully we can get that done this year sometime. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. That would. Because I know you're not afraid to fight any of them. People can say what they want. (laughs) I know you're not. I know you're not. I know you'll take any of them. No, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. We want to thank Sinesa Estrada, the current interim WBA flyweight champion and WBC Silver light flyweight champion, to being on the show with us uh, once again. And she's our first interview of 2020. Sinesa, thank you very much, and have a great night. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon.
Thank, Thank you, you very much. Good luck. And there you have it, folks. Miss Ines Estrada coming on the show here tonight and giving us uh, her thoughts about her most recent fight with Marlene Esparza and what is coming up for her um, in the coming year. Obviously, I think it's still tentative. Obviously, from the sound of her voice, that she didn't really want to um, say too much about that possible fight card in March or April with an all-female with Golden Boy in the zone. But it sounds pretty exciting. I mean, uh, I mean, if it's gonna be, if Eddie Hearn is uh, is uh, is involved, obviously it's gonna include Katie Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Golden Boy. It could include. I don't know if it's gonna include Franchon Cruz Desern because she's gonna be fighting this weekend. I'm sure she could get ready again by March or April. And then obviously Sonia oh. Estrada, maybe Amanda Serrano. Uh, who knows, right? Who knows what could happen in that fight card? It could be a beautiful fight card. If they have the money, it be beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, well, the zone, if there's one thing that they can and they've shown to have is uh, money to uh, put on uh, some good fights and also mm-hmm. to pay female fighters. I mean, Katie Taylor, I think that at this point, her and Clarissa Shields are probably the best paid uh, female fighters in the world and they're winning, um, you know, they're making 300, 400, maybe even half a million dollars per fight. So, yeah. you know, they're getting paid on that, on that platform. So hopefully um, that could happen um, in the first trimester of 2020. So with that said, we are going to go and look back into uh, 2019 and give you our, uh, our picks for the best of for the last 12 months. Uh, we have nine categories. So fairly quickly here, we're going to go and give you the category and then we'll go around the table and give our uh, picks for that category. So we're going to start off with the knockout of the year. So Lupi, who did you have for your knockout of the year? I chose from the minimum division, Lorraine Villalobos versus Danielle Saldana. They were both two and two on June 15th. Uh, Lorraine had a beautiful knockout one minute and 21 seconds into the third round. Saldana was out on her back, but she did sig- she made the 10 count, but she signaled to the ref that she couldn't continue. And I think, uh, I don't know if David, if you were there, but I think it was a right to the chin that finally did it. Yeah, I remember that was such a good knockout that uh, uh, Lorraine Villalobos was crying because she thought she really hurt her. Mm. <clears throat> Yeah. Now, okay, so there you have. Go ahead, Lupi. Yeah, and I just want to give an honorable mention to Sinisa Estrada for for her both of her um, RTDs in 2019 over Jennifer Leon and Gretchen Abignal. But Lorraine was okay. my pick. So there you go, Lorraine Via Lobos um, getting the KO of the year from Lupi. David, what is your pick? Uh, you know, it's, it was hard. I I like that one. That was actually my original pick. Uh, I think I'll go with that one because that that really was the one that really impressed me, and that's when when they announced that they're going to do the rematch with uh, Louisa Houghton. I said, "Wow, you know, Lorraine's really in a role now. She had knocked out two people in a row, and she almost knocked out uh, Houghton too. Uh, she's oh, got some she power. She really, she did drop. She got a wicked left hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, but there was a, a British fighter. A British fighter. I think it was Terry Harper." We had mm-hmm. a pretty good knockout. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure if it was Terry yeah. Harper or 
Oh, um, I'm trying to remember if it was her or. Uh, wait, was it Terry? Uh, I don't remember. Um, but that that pick is a pretty obscure. It's not obscure, but it's. I mean, it wasn't broadcast on any major network. It was on, I think, Facebook. They had uh, they were broadcasting those fights. So you really have to be a pretty hardcore boxing female boxing fan to see that knockout. I went a little bit more mainstream with my pick. I just thought it was a devastating body shot that Amanda Serrano scored in the first round against Eva Vorenberger back in January where she won the WBO 115-pound title. And in the first round, I mean, I think it was literally the first punch she landed, and she basically knocked her out. Vorenberger couldn't beat the, the count, and Amanda Serrano ended up winning uh, the WBO uh, world title 115 pounds, which – you know, she ended up uh, vacating shortly thereafter, but that uh, body shot was pretty devastating. That was my pick for knockout of the year. Um, now we're going to the second category. Uh, it's a breakout fighter of the year. Um, not necessarily a rookie, but maybe a fighter that was kind of like on the on the cusp of going big um, before in 2018 that was doing good things. And then in 2019, she she uh, achieved a certain level of popularity as well as uh, as what she did in the year. That's how I define breakout breakout fighter of the year. I don't know if you guys have something different as far as the definition for breakout fighter of the year. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, I chose Denise Estrada. I mean, even she's 18 and 0, seven knockouts, and now she has the WBC silver and the interim WBA title. David? I went with Lorraine Villalobos. Mm. Uh, I thought that uh, her, her performance against Houghton, because the first time they met last year, she ran out of gas and she got blown out, basically. Uh, but in the second one, there was a lot of arguments that she, she almost beat uh, Houghton, who's a really good fighter. So That's I guess give it to her because she really showed she has skill, she has power, and she can go 10 rounds. You know what? That's you a know, great choice because she really put her name on the map. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, uh, I agree with, I agree with Lupe on this case because I think that, you know, like Tunis Estrada, like we knew about her because we're in California and we followed her, but you know, the whole hype, that was uh, that happened with that fight with Marlene, and then for it to be on such a big platform, which was the undercard for Canelo against Kovalev on November 3rd, and then the fact that she won the fight, and the way that she won the fight, and the, oh, yeah. the, 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 the fight in itself, I think for me also, um, Sirius Estrada takes uh, breakout fighter of the year, but I also want to give an honorable mention to Franchon Cruz mm-hmm. Desern, who also had a pretty big year. She was able to unify yeah. the super middleweight title, and then from then, she has been able to kind of capitalize on her uh, obviously her promotional agreement with with um, Golden Boy Promotions, and she's actually been featured on their some of their Facebook live telecasts as a color commentator. So I think yeah. she's starting to kind of get the ball rolling and kind of uh, show herself as more than just a fighter, which we know 
that she is be having her on the show where she talked about, you know, her talent for singing. She's a talented singer. I think she yeah. auditioned for uh, for uh, American mm-hmm. Idol. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Yeah, she 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 made it almost to the to the end. <laughs> yeah. And then also she has a talent for uh sewing and designing fight uh more I I'm sure clothes as well, but as far as what we know of her designing um uh, fight uniform. She's designed a couple for uh, Clarissa Shields and other fighters. So yeah, with Raquel that said, yeah, yeah, I do give her an honorable mention as far as breakout fighter of the year. Now we go to disappointment of the year. What did you have as your pick here, uh, Lupi? You know, I had three disappointments, but I brought I took the one that stood out the most were the pros, Erica Farias, Delphine Persoon, and Jessica Bob mm. deciding to go to the Olympics. You know, so, you know, they even Delphine said her, her dreams were crushed. So, what, now you're going to go crush some amateur's dreams? It's not so nice. Wow, so that is, I, just, I, I hadn't heard that Jessica Buff had agreed to go to the Olympics. I know that Erika Farias did, but I didn't have, I hadn't heard Jessica, uh, Jessica Buff did. Yep, there was oh, a picture. That's very sad. Yeah, yeah, Erica, and and I'll send you the picture of them. I think it was a post. Mm, okay. okay, yeah, I want to check that out. David, what did you uh, file as your disappointment of the year? Um, I think um, that's a tough one to say. I, I was trying to think about a disappointment of the year. I, I couldn't really pick a disappointment. Um, no, I really couldn't. I really couldn't pick. I mean, the news that Lupi just gave us about uh, – Delphine Pursun and Jessica Bob going to the Olympics. That is disappointing, mm-hmm. though. That I, That's the first time I heard that. I, I, I that feel, I, yeah, I feel more disappointed in the fact that uh, Bob is, is is willing to go because, you know, she's a world champion. I think there's some fights out there for Farias. Uh, you know, she's not a world champion or anything. I mean, I, I don't think that she should go, but I think it's more disappointing that Bob would go. Now, my disappointment of the year was actually the rematch between McCaskill and Erika Farias. The first fight was somewhat action-packed, but the second fight was not what we were expecting. It was a, a mm-hmm. clinch fest. It was a clinch fest, and really it's it was a horrible fight, probably the worst um, title fight that I, see, that I saw all of 2019. So for me, the disappointment of the year was that McCaskill against Erika Farias fight. Um, now we go. Maybe you, you know what you just made me think. Uh, what about that Fatuma Zurika fight uh, for yeah. the uh, Super oh, Bantamweight right. fight? That was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact, and the fact that, and the reason that she gave that was pretty disappointing as well. That the fact that she mentioned after the fight that she pretty much threw the fight because she didn't feel that she was getting uh, the uh, the support from her country. That she deserved. Yeah. I guess her 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 government, the government of her country, had kind of like ridden her coattails uh, as a world champion, and they had promised her certain things, and they didn't deliver. So she came to Mexico, according to her statement after the fight, um, to basically give, according in her words, to give the the world title to a country that was gonna appreciate it more, and that would be Mexico. And the winner of that fight was. Uh, Jamiles Mercado, who is now the WBC 
super bantamweight champion. So that was a, a good choice. Uh, that's a good mention there, David, as for disappointment of the year. Now, comeback of the year, I don't think it needs a lot of explanation, which fighter was pretty much down and out and in 2019 made a comeback. Lupi, what is yours? I th- mine was Mary McGee. Because although hmm. she was 26-3, and three, um, she had, and she like had three fights in 2013, one in 2015, one in 2016, one in 2018. I mean, she fought in 2019, and she took the vacant IBS. And she knocked her out in the 10th round. I think that's a comeback. David? Uh, I, that was a good one. I, I, I chose um, Melissa Hernandez, who had retired, who gave up on boxing, came back and beat Selena uh, Barrios in a you know That's pretty a one-sided one. fight. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I agree with David, but I also considered um, Mary McGee's. I also considered that one as well as for my choice, but I ended up going with Melissa Narnes, and for the same reasons with that Lupe, that she was kind of like on a holding pattern before that fight, and then she finally gets that opportunity for a world title, and... Uh, and then she she wins it and by a uh, ex, uh, impressive fashion. So those are really good choices yeah. for comeback of the year. Now we have international fighter of the year. This is uh, a, a fighter that you know hasn't fought in the United States perhaps, and is a fighter that we as the panel of the two men around recommend for you to keep an eye on because. More not that she's gonna fight in the United States soon, but maybe it leads to that, or maybe you should keep an eye on this fighter because she's doing great things and maybe she doesn't get the recognition she deserves from the United States press. Um, even though we we tend to mention them quite often because we we do worldwide female boxing. Lupi, what is your choice for this one? Oh, you know what? I don't know if she's fought. I don't think she has. I went with Sophie Alice. Uh, that she's five and zero out of Germany. Mm-hmm. She was uh, she was Germany's youngest fine. ever. Okay, so she, at 17, she was Germany's youngest ever national champion, and then she just went pro February 2019, and she won that by knockout. And she fought four more times last year, winning all by unanimous decision. Wow, that's a good that's a good one to keep an eye on, uh, even if she doesn't fight in the United States soon. Which in Germany sometimes they tend not to because. Germany is such a big supporter of female boxing. Obviously, uh, Christina yeah. Hammer has made her career there, uh, originally from Kazakhstan, but she's made her career there. I think that uh, Cecilia Breakhouse has made uh, uh, quite a career there in Germany as well. Uh, as well. And Susie Ketikian, if we go a little bit back in time, she was fighting out of, uh, out of Germany, Alicia Graf. So she may or may not come to the United States, what what weight class is she again, Lupi? Uh, she's I think she's a super bantam. Oh, super bantam? Is she? I thought it was a super bantam. I could be I wrong. So there, I think she's feather. She's feather. Okay, so there, there's some good competition on this side of the pond for her. David, what did you have as the International Fighter of the Year? Uh, I, I went a little south in... Uh, I pick uh, Maiva Hamadouche from France. Wow. Um, she's pretty. I thought about she's, that too. She's really something. I think the, the U.S. would love her, love her style. Mm-hmm. She fights uh, a very aggressive style, and uh, she's all in. You know, she's, she's not playing around. And uh, I remember they were trying to bring her to the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. Lou DeBella had spoken about her, 
and I hope they bring her because she would really wow people over here. Yeah, I agree with that. But my uh, that's a good choice. But my choice was a fighter that, you know, little by little she has been impressing me. She just keeps winning. I do hope that she does come to the United States. She fought in Mexico, um, but that is Daniela Bermudez, you know, the Argentinian, currently oh, yeah. the WBO uh, Bantamweight champion. She came to yeah. Mexico. She beat Mariana Juarez, and Mariana Juarez debut at Bantamweight. Um, this last uh, year, 2019, she was 3-0 with one knockout. She just keeps winning. She actually, actually, no, this happened in 2018, so that didn't happen when she beat Marcela Cunha at 122 and then just relinquished the title. Um, but she's slowly but surely creeping up the pound-for-pound list. So my choice uh, for International Fire of the Year, a fire that we need to keep an eye on, is Daniela Bermudez. She's still relatively young. She's like 29, 30 years old. So I think she does have an opportunity. She has mentioned that she does want to fight in the United States uh, sooner than later. But I also wanted to give an honorable mention to a fighter that I mentioned um, a little while ago in Guadalupe Martinez, who is that WBC super flyweight champion. She defeated Selena Munoz, who was riding like a 10 defense streak. And she says that she wants to not only tie that defense streak by Selena Munoz, but break it. And, um, uh, she has a next fight set, which I think is going to be a great fight, a rematch with Jessica Martinez. I mean, I'm sorry, Jessica Chavez. So I wanted to do an honorable mention for Guadalupe uh, Lupita Martinez as International Fighter of the Year. Now we go to mismatch of the year. We kind of put a little bit of a, of a condition here that it had to be a 10-rounder because, I mean, if we go to four-rounders and six-rounders, I mean, a lot of those fights are mismatches because these young women are being um, developed you know, they're starting their careers and they're building develop. For the for the factor it to be a ten round fight, which is a championship fight for women's boxing, and for it to be a mismatch, then it starts kinda of opening our eyes. So Lupi, what was your choice for mismatch of the year? Yeah, this one was hard for me because I was trying to think the only one that stood out was Jelena Merjevich versus Vicia Travado, June twenty second. I mean it was ashen packed and Travado is tough and hits hard. But Jelena was just so much bigger and stronger, and there was no way Travada was going to hurt her. And then Jelena with the 50 fights, she was defending her WBC and WBA featherweight titles in her own hometown. And Travada with just 14 fights was just coming off a devastating loss in her birthplace of Italy, March 8th, against Mexican um, Erica Cruz Hernandez. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but I do give kudos to athletes like Travado and Lorraine Villalobos who do take the real, they step up and take those real fights. But that was a hard one for me to think, but that's who I came up with. Well, I, 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 David, who, who do you have? Uh, I didn't pick anybody. I didn't pick any mismatch of the year at all. There wasn't yeah, too was many hard. that uh, I, I kind of don't see. Of, Go ahead. Uh, sorry. I, I did a little bit of research on this one, and I hate to say it, but on June 20th, 2019, in Atlantic City, Franchon Cruz Desern defended her, at that time, WBC super middleweight title, because that's the only one she had at that time. This was her first fight under the Golden Boy banner in a 10-rounder against an 0-2-1 fighter by the name of, um, I think her name was Lena Williams or Kalina Williams, something to that effect. Um this was Chris Cruz Desern's second 10-round second fight. Her first 10-round fight was against Maricela Cornejo. And 
before this fight, those three fights that Williams has had before this fight were all four rounders, and she's only had four rounders uh, since then. So for a, a fighter of Cruz de Zern's level, not only as a pro, but as an amateur, I mean, she went four hard rounds with one of the best, if not the best current female fighter in the world right now, Clarissa Shields. And for her to turn around and go out 10 rounds against an 0-2-1 fighter, and for the for the commission in New Jersey to to uh, accept this fight, it's I don't know. There's there might be this might be the mismatch of the decade in, in female boxing. That's right. I forgot about that fight. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just it's just it's just unacceptable. A fight like that is completely unacceptable. Um, and for it to be actually, I'm sorry, it was a non-title fight. It wasn't the WPC fight, but it was still scheduled for ten rounds. So. Um, it wasn't a title fight. So now we go to uh, category number seven, which is fight of the year. Who do you have for that one, Lupi? I'm going with Sunisa Estrada versus Marlene Esparza. Because from the trash talk, way before the contracts were even signed, to the brawl inside the ring, to the post-fight interviews, this fight, it did not disappoint. I mean, it was, it was definitely both fighters, I thought, both of their toughest fights. Uh, you know, outside of the headbutt, it was everything I wanted it to be. I loved it. David? Uh, Delphine Pursun and uh, Katie Taylor. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that it was a toss-up between these two. I think that was a, yeah. a big, a big even, even if you want to kind of throw in the mix, even though it wasn't as action-packed and it was kind of like mm, somewhat one-sided, but it was still a little bit... Uh, there, Heather, uh, Amanda Serrano against Heather Hardy, if you want to throw that in. But I go with Lupi's choice of because of the whole build-up, the uh, the event that it was on. Um, but I think it's a it's a it's a close uh, it's a close race there with uh, with uh, Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursuant. But yeah, you know, Taylor is, doesn't tend to do a lot of trash talking, not to the extent that. Uh, actually, she, uh, another, doesn't. she doesn't. She doesn't at all. Uh, another uh, honorable mention too would be um, uh, Naoko Fujioka's fight with uh, Tsunami uh, Tenka, uh, Tenkai. Tenkai. I mean, Tenkai. that yeah, was I, that was a pretty good fight. I mean, it ended up in a draw. Yeah, and, uh, and also uh, uh, also honorable mention is Via Lobos against Harden. That was a great fight as oh, well. Oh yeah, that, that was an incredible fight. Honorable mention there. Now we're going to go to uh, our second to last category, which is uh, Fighter of the Year. Lupi, who's your Fighter of the Year? This could be controversial, but um, oh, no. I, pick Katie, I pick Katie Taylor. I mean, she yeah. fought three times last year on Dazon in the U.S. and Skybox Sports in the U.K. She stopped Rose Volante to unify the WBA and WBO and the IBF titles. And regardless of the outcome with Pursun, I mean, that's controversial. Um, mm-hmm. Pursun wouldn't have made the money they did with, without fighting Katie. And neither would Volante, who bought her mama house with her purse. Hmm. The big, they're high-profile, big-money fights. That's who I went with. David? Yeah, you know, um, I have to go with Katie Taylor. I mean, for, for a while, I was a little upset when she first came onto the scene that she was fighting these you know, girls that she obviously had way too much uh, talent for, but this year, I mean, she brought it. I mean, she 
She fought Delphine Pursue. She fought Christina Leonardo. Do uh, I mean, and those are tough fights. They weren't easy. Uh, I, I had to give it to her. I mean, but with all respect to Jessica McCaskill, who also fought a couple of good fights, and also Mariana Juarez, who fought what three, four fights, and she fought everybody too. Uh, I still had to give it to Katie Taylor. Yeah, yeah and they're my honorable mentions. They're my honorable mentions, Jessica and Mariana. Yeah, I, I, I thought about I thought about Mariana as well, but it's a unanimous decision here with Katie Taylor, three and zero, one knockout, captured the WBO title with that win over Rose Valante, unified the division with that win against Delphine Pursun. But in her last fight, she went up to one forty to become a two divisional world champion. So now, before we move on to the last category, so she ended up relinquishing that 140-pound title because, as far as I know, Lena Dartu is fighting for the vacant title again, right? Correct. So she, so I think the WBO has a, a rule because I think uh, they have a rule that you cannot hold titles in two divisions unless you're Canelo Alvarez, I would imagine. And, uh, and um, so they asked her to choose, and she ended up choosing 135 pounds, and she's staying with all those titles there. So she did go up and beat Lena Dartu. Um, if there's one critique of Katie Taylor for 2019, even though she went up to 140 and became the two-division world champion, I think the fight that everybody wanted to see was a rematch with Dauphine Pursuit to kind of like settle and see who is the best of the two. Yeah. You know, because for yeah. her going up to 140 and winning the title and then relinquishing it, you know, it just basically gives me an idea that, you know, I wanted to do something big enough so I wouldn't be criticized for not fighting pursuit. I don't know if you feel that way as well, uh, David and Lupe. Yeah. Um, I actually think there's something more to it. I really, uh, I would really like uh, the WBC and the New York State Athletic Commission to release the results of their PED tests. Mm. Uh, I think there's something going on there. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm not saying who it is, but one of the fighters, uh, or, or both fighters, who knows? The tests have never been released. It's already been more than six months. There's something going on. I, I wish yeah. they would step forward, especially the well, WBC. Now, have they you, should step have, forward. Have you – I know that you, I know you're pretty strong with your convictions, David, and I know you were um, – you were at a talk with Mauricio when he invited the press uh, some months ago. Did you ask him why it has not been released? Point blank, I asked him. Yeah, Point I remember blank. that. In front, of, in front of 40 reporters. And uh, he gave you a politician uh, answer, right? What did he say? He blamed it on the, the fighters, on the commission, and not to himself. But then later, uh, during the, the ensuing months, I called Vada directly. Mm. Vada informed me that the WBC, the fighters, or the uh, uh, or the commission are the only ones that can release that information. And neither, none of them have come forward. None of them. So this is my question. I know that in California, anything that goes through the commission is um, public. You, the public can see it, okay? Yeah. You can yeah. ask for it, and they have to, by law, provide you with whatever you ask. For instance, back in the day, I was writing an article. I asked for a contract of Oscar de la Hoya, Oscar a fight contract. 
a Bob contract for Oscar Deloya. They gave it to me. A copy of it, obviously. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. will there be a clause here where New York has a clause where it's confidential and they don't have to release it? Because they're a state agency. Well, I've called them directly. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I've also emailed them. And I still have the email. And they said that they don't give that information. Hmm. And, so uh, I wonder. I wonder if there's a way. Of, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's, uh, you know, there's if it's a state agency and you're asking for some information that went through the state agency, unless there's a special clause because it's it has. I mean, it's not medical because I believe that if it's like medical results, I mean, those are confidential. But this is not unless it's considered a medical result. Yeah, I mean, the one ironic thing is that uh, the WBC has this clean boxing program where they're, oh, yeah. you know, having uh, the female, uh, uh, the top five get tested because of this and that. And then they're also on one, the other side talking about they're against three-minute rounds for the health and this and that. But yet, when it comes to something like this, they don't want to release the results. Uh, I, I yeah, think that's I mean, uh, hypocrisy. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. And I'm wouldn't actually embarrassed it. by them. Yeah, I wouldn't I, expect I think that's an embarrassment. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it from from the WBC. I mean, you know, I wouldn't. I mean, if they haven't released it now in the whole clean program, I wouldn't expect them to do anything more than that. You know, we've we've had our conversations with the WBC. We've called certain things out the WBC on this show. For instance. I believe that when we had Franchon Cruz here back in June 27th, we point blank asked her if in her contract with the, and with her bout for the WBC title, if there was a, a weight clause that she could be plus or minus a pound because of her uh, water retention, because of her uh, menstrual cycle. And she said, no, absolutely not. But that's the reason they gave us of why Brenda Flores came up uh, over a pound in her fight with uh, L- uh, Bang Bang Lulu. Remember that? And that's the reason no, they, they they gave us specifically to us uh, through uh, uh, DMs uh, on a social uh, ne- on a social network on a social app of what was the reason that they allowed her. I have read and various WBC contracts and bout contracts, and I've never seen that clause. Um, for for weight, so I don't expect much uh, in that case from the WBC. But we're going off on a tangent, um, so we are going to go to uh, to fighter of the decade. I mean, we could go on there for hours because we could we could jump over to the WBO if you want. We could jump over to the WBO and the WBA. But, uh, yeah, so so let's let's save that. We got the rest of 2020, so. Uh, to go down that route, but let's go. Let's go to the fighter of the decade, uh, Lupe. Who did you have for this for the last uh, from 2010 to 2009? Hands down, Clarissa Shields. Just wow. Three years. Well, just three years after becoming the first two-time Olympic gold medalist in U.S. amateur boxing history, she defeated Christina Hammer, and Shields was only eight no. She defeated Christina Hammer 24 and one by a unanimous decision to unify. The middleweight division. Okay, David. Yeah, that's a good one. I like Clarissa. Oh, I had to pick uh, Mariana Juarez. Um, 
She's been doing this for over 20 years. She's still on top. She drew a crowd of a half a million people in Mexico City when she won that title, the Bantamweight title. And she continues to be uh, Mexico's best female fighter. I mean, she is an icon. I mean, she's still there, still the champion. I have to give it to her. Great I, 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 uh, I considered Mariana Juarez, but I had to go. Sorry to tell you guys, but I had to go with the first lady of boxing, Miss Cecilia Breakhouse. Wow. 23-0, 23-0 wow. in the last 10 years, seven knockouts. Yeah. She unified the division at welterweight in 2014, beating none other than, uh, who, what's her name? Uh, uh, Ivana Habazin, who we're going to be talking about in a little bit. She had her, the first fight, the first female fight ever on HBO. She had the last fight on HBO. And her notable wins in the last 10 years have been Victoria Cisneros, Michaela Lauren twice, Chevelle Halbach, and Sophie Mathis twice. Mia St. John, Ivana Havison, Chris Namus, Clara Svensson, wow. Erica Farias, and Kelly Reese. So, for me, wow. the fight of the decade is none other than Cecilia Breakhouse. I would go with Mariana Juarez and mm, Clarissa Shields. She's done great, but I don't think it yeah. would it would it's a ten year type of career. You know, uh, oh, what she's you know, done. When you, so when you read, when you just said what you said with Cecilia, it sounds beautiful. She's been around. <laughs> And there she's you beautiful. go. On top of everything else, she's beautiful. And she's and, and another thing that that she's willing to to change it up a little bit. You know, I, I, she had that trainer in Germany that I forgot the guy's name. Um, and then she went over with um, what was the guy's name, David? The the African American gentleman from the Crunk Gym that uh, she just jo- had. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks. Banks. And then now. Willing to learn, she goes to with Mr. Abel Sanchez and finds herself a big bear. So even at her, uh, you know, upper 30s age and with everything that she has accomplished, she still feels that she still needs to learn and move forward. So we'll see what happens in the next. I don't think she's going to go another 10 years, maybe another three, maybe to five years. Maybe if that, maybe just three. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And uh, she just signed mm-hmm. a contract with the zone. I think that there is a fight down the pipeline with Katie Taylor, perhaps at a catchweight, perhaps Katie Taylor going up to a full-fledged 147. I don't think the fight with Clarissa Shields is going to happen. Um, no. So we'll see what's through As far as Mariana Juarez, I really hope that she – if there's one thing that we learned from Mariana Juarez that David more than I can attest to this, is there might not be another current fighter out there or another fighter ever, female fighter, that could bang their own drum like Mariana Juarez. And she she I mean she takes every opportunity to 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 do what she needs to do and say what she needs to say to get what she wants. And that's super impressive, not only in a fighter, but as a person. And let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, um We've talked about it here on the show before that the WBC, every Tuesday, they have this little press conference in Mexico City, which they call uh, Tuesday, coffee, two, coffee Tuesdays, Martes de Café in, in Spanish, where they, get, they sit down and they talk about whatever. 
You know, Marisa Suleiman holds court. The press is there. And he invites fighters to go there. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Jamiles Mercado, the new WBC Super Bantamweight champion, was invited so they could present her with her WBC title, the her belt. So she was there. And who was there as well? Miss Mariana Juarez. <laughs> and she took the mic and she said, you did what you did. I congratulate you, but I want that belt. And they had a little little <laughs> back and forth there. And Mariana Juarez, basically, instead of being a celebration of Javelin's Mercado, it became the Mariana Juarez show. And <gasps> Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you got to do. And now she's yeah. banging the drum. She's banging the drum. She wants that title. And uh, hopefully in 2020 she gets the opportunity because I'm going to say here on the first show of – 2020, if that fight happens in 2020, Mariana Juarez is going to wipe the floor with Yamiles Mercado. Because even though at her 37, 38 years old, she's head and shoulders above this young woman. And um, and uh, and I want to see it happen because that would become a uh, history in the making for Ms. Mariana Juarez. So I think that's a great choice. But at the end, I think uh, the accolades and and the first first ring first ring magazine uh, female world uh, title for Miss Cecilia Breakouts as well. I forgot to mention that. Um, Clarissa Shields has it too, but the first one to get it was Cecilia Breakouts. So, I think I'm switching my uh, fighter of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, folks, we're almost coming to the end of our first show here, uh, episode number 79 of the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world. I, I tend to sense that David was a little bit quiet when I was giving all the accolades of Cecilia Breakouts. I think because she has not faced Layla McCarthy yet. Is that it, You want to to read my story. You want to read my story by Clarissa Shields that came out today. All right. Clarissa Shields talks about that. (laughs) I saw it. I saw it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to, because it came out while I was driving home. So, you know, I'm a safe driver. And now there's a new law in California. (laughs) So, uh... So I'm going to read it right now when we get off the show. But let's go to our upcoming calendar starting Friday, January 10th at the Ocean Resort Casino in Atlantic City. Showtime, this is a fight that we've been waiting for. Obviously, it was supposed to happen at the end of last year. Um, it was supposed to happen at the end of last year, but they had that this this unfortunate incident where a member – no, I'm not going to say a member uh, – a uh, person in, she, in Clarissa Shields' circle attacked B- uh, Bashir Ali, who is the trainer of Ivana Havison, at the weigh-in. Uh, Mr. Hav- Mr. Ali was not able to – actually, he was sent to the hospital. He had to have surgery. The fight did not happen. And now it has it's the rematch. Mr. Ali is still is cannot be in the corner of uh, – uh, Havazin, so she has like the second of Mr. Uh, of this uh, of of Mr. Bashir Ali. His name is uh, Steve uh, Steve Chambers, who was a former welterweight who is now serving as Ivana Havison's trainer. So he's going to be with her, working the corner for her. She trained out there in a what was she training? I think she was training in um, somewhere in Europe, and she actually took Raquel Miller out there. And uh, had her as a sparring partner and a couple others. So um, this is uh, for the 154 vacant WBC and WBO world titles. If Shields uh, is able to win this fight, she becomes the fastest three-division world champion in boxing history, beating the record that Japanese Ayooka and 
um, Vladimir, I mean, I'm sorry, Vasily uh, Lomachenko achieved uh, some years back. So that is uh, on Showtime, Clarissa Shields, Ivana Havazin for the vacant WBC, WBO 154-pound title. And also on the uh, net, on the uh, telecast, is that so, David? I'm not 100% sure. Is Alisa Napoleon against Ellen Sederus also on the, on the televised portion? Yes, it's going to be the opening bout on Showtime. There's only going to be three fights. Yes. The two female fights, and then there's going to be a male welterweight fight. And uh, yes. it's going to be a very good show, uh, boxing card. Yeah, it's a great way to start the year. We have, especially for female fight, female boxing, we have the WBA super middleweight champion, Alicia Napoleon, and the IBF super middleweight champion, Elise de Ruz, facing each other in the opening bout of Showtime. So we're going to have the winner is going to unify the division, not the division, but those two titles. And then we'll go over it in a little bit. We're going to have another fight that's going to give us another super middleweight champion with the hopes. And they have been talked a little bit on social media sometime in 2020, maybe, maybe on that all female fight card that Sinesa Estrada, our special guest today mentioned, we might have a full on 168 pound unification fight. And that other fight is on Saturday, January 11th on The Zone from San Antonio, Texas, where we have Franchon Cruz Desern, our 2019, um, who named her, uh, well, she was mismatched, but that, that's not something to write home about. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I had her as an honorable mention for Breakout Fighter of the Year. You did too, right, mm-hmm. uh, Lupi? Um, yeah, I yeah, I agree with you on that totally. Yeah. So we have Franchon Cruz Desern, who is the current WBC WBO super middleweight champion, facing former WBC Alejandra La Tigre Jimenez, who in her quest to look for better competition and another belt in a different division, has dropped over fifty pounds from when she was campaigning at a at heavyweight. And she made it. This fight was also supposed to happen last year. But Alana Jimenez was not able to secure a visa for that fight back in, I think mm-hmm. it was September, on the zone. Maricela Cornejo stepped in there with two days' notice, which was a rematch against Cruz Desern. Cruz Desern defeated her via unanimous decision. And now Alejandra Jimenez has made it to the United States. She was at the press conference um, uh, today, at the weigh-in and press conference mm-hmm. uh, today. Um, yep. So that fight's going to happen. Um, French John Cruz against Alejandra Jimenez tomorrow night on The Zone. On Friday, January 17th, from Hallandale, Florida, Maureen Shea uh, faces Martina Horgas in an eight-rounder at 118 pounds. And next Saturday, on January 18th, from Tamazula, Mexico, on the Azteca Channel in Mexico, uh, current WBC interim 108-pound champion Kenya Enriquez faces Japanese Charles Minowa in a 10-round fight. And our next show is uh, scheduled for January 23rd, which we'll be talking about all these fights. Hopefully we have an interview because we do want to break our last year record of 16 shows with interviews. (laughs) And we will have any other news and fight chatter that might come down the female boxing pipeline. David, any closing thoughts, any comments about Clarissa Shields and Ivana Havazin. Do you think Ivana Havazin has a shot at beating Clarissa Shields? Um, 
I don't think so. I think Clarissa is just uh, a whole degree better. I mean, it's like she's just unbeatable uh, at 150. Well, I shouldn't say unbeatable at 154, but she's going to be dominating at 154 against uh, Hevison. Who, who now, has a punch? She yeah. doesn't have the speed, though. She's confident. She says she's going to knock Clarissa Shields out. And um, and then another thing that was uh, quite noticeable today at the weigh-in is that she didn't even undress. She weighed in with sweatpants and a sweater. She was eating, I don't know what it was, a donut or pizza. I don't know what it was. <laughs> uh, uh, she was eating something on the scale. So, it was ice cream. Oh, that was ice cream? Okay. And then, uh, no, not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So I agree with you, David. I don't think that she has uh, an opportunity here. I think I think she was handpicked by Clarissa Shields' handlers, Mark Taffet, and her team to score this WBO and WBC world title and give her those three divisional, um, three divisional world titles. Um, as far as uh, the second fight with Alicia Napoleon, I'm glad that Napoleon is getting. Yeah, I think I, I'm glad that she's getting um, some airtime because usually we we, don't, we tend not to see her. We actually never see her on TV. That's a very close fight. Uh, Napoleon uh, Sederus is very tall, a lot taller, and she could hit hard. She's a hard hitter. Uh, she's she's not slow, but she's not as quick as Napoleon. Napoleon, they're both skill wise. I kind of like Napoleon's. Uh, uh, agility. She's very good on her feet. A better on her feet than Cedrus, but it's going to be a tough fight. What do you think, Lucy? I, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough fight, and I'm glad she took this fight. I like Alicia. You know, the last one she took, it kind of was like, oh, God, three and one, three, you know, the mm. three fights the other girl had. This is this will be really good. It's going to be a great card. And, and that fight with... with and, and, Who's going to have that, it? But, Are you guys going to have it? What's well, gonna be on? Showtime. Oh, you don't have showtime. Okay, we'll figure something out. Yeah, um, I think you could get an app. You don't have to actually get the the channel like on your on your network. I think you they you could like you could like get the app for the month and then cancel it. I think it might be like five ninety nine oh. or something. Sounds good. You might want to look into that. <laughs> now, I think the fight of the, all the fights that we mentioned that are gonna happen in the next couple of weeks. I think the one that's very very intriguing is. Um, Jimenez, uh, French on Cruz against Jimenez. I mean, yeah. we are talking about yeah. a Jimenez who, you know, has experience, is a world cha- was a world mm-hmm. champion, is undefeated, yeah. and we have a Cruz Desern who is very tough. She comes forward, but at times, quite honestly, she looks a little bit um, this comp- uh, a little. I don't want to say amateurish, but very. Um, aggressive and perhaps not as um, as planned. I don't know how to describe it. Like I don't feel like that she has a game plan. I mean, I feel like she's just going forward and throwing punches. Whereas if Jimenez, yeah, if Jimenez can actually like, you know, keep her at bay and box her and 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 who knows, maybe going down those fifty pounds. I mean, she has to gain something. She has to gain some speed or something to her advantage. I still have Cruz Desern a slightly favorite just because she's, you know, because she is uh, at that weight class and she is the world champion at that weight class. But I wouldn't be surprised or shocked at all if Jimenez pulls it off. 
Well, Alejandra is kind of the unknown in this because of all the weight loss, and we saw her fight as a heavyweight, and, you know, I thought Martha won that fight, but so we don't really know what she's capable of here. It'll be a yeah, lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, she has skills. She has skills. So we'll see. I mean, that's going to that's gonna be an exciting fight for female boxing this weekend. Clarissa Shields, Ivana mm-hmm. Havasin on Friday night on Showtime, uh, Lisa Napoleon, and uh, Cameroon, or uh, I can't pronounce her name, um, Seberoon or something like that, on, uh, on Showtime as well. And then we have French Jean Cruz de Zern and Alejandra Jimenez on Saturday night from San Antonio, Texas, on The Zone. Um, so there you have it, folks. We'll see you here again on our number 80 episode on January 23rd. We thank you all, and we bid you a good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.